0: Welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for April, May and June 2012. Titled Major Lessons from Minor Prophets, it's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Lesson 1 for March 30 to April 5, Spiritual Adultery, Hosea, Sabbath, March 30. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we open your word this week We want to thank you that we've learned about the origins of this earth But now we move into a different phase We are looking at some of the messages from the minor prophets From the tail end of the Old Testament And as we do so, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be here to guide us We pray that as we look at the book of Hosea today That we may see you, your love and your grace shining through In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's Sabbath afternoon. Our memory text is Hosea chapter 2 verse 23. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Let's read that again. Hosea chapter 2 verse 23. I will plant her for myself in the land, I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Our key thought this week is, even amid spiritual adultery and divine judgment, God's love for his people never wavers. The prophet Hosea ministered at the close of a very prosperous period in Israel's history just before the fall of the nation to the Assyrians in 722 BC. At that time, God's chosen people no longer worshipped the Lord alone, but also served Baal, a Canaanite god. Placed at the head of the minor prophets, Hosea's book addresses the central question of the prophetic proclamation during this time of apostasy. Does God still love Israel despite the spiritual harlotry? Does he still have a purpose for them despite their sins and the coming judgment? Hosea's personal story and prophecy are inseparably tied into his book. Just as the prophet forgave his unfaithful wife and was willing to take her back, God is willing to do the same for his people. What can we learn from the experience of Hosea and the Lord's way of dealing with wayward Israel. Sunday, March 31, a strange command. Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 read, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the children said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Goma, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. For centuries, students of the Bible have debated the nature of this command, asking questions such as, Was Goma a prostitute or just an unfaithful spouse? Was she immoral before her marriage to Hosea, or did she become unfaithful afterward? We do not know for certain. One thing, however, is sure. When the Lord spoke to Hosea and through him, he wanted to turn people's attention from Hosea's story to God's love story with Israel. Because Gomer was an Israelite, the story of her marriage to the prophet blends with the story of God's covenant with Israel. There are, are important parallels between Hosea's story and God's experience with Israel. On a human level, Gomer was adulterous against Hosea. On the spiritual level, Israel was unfaithful to God. Just as Gomer's immorality hurt her husband's heart, so Israel's idolatry grieved the great heart of God. Hosea was called to endure a broken heart and a broken marriage. He must have suffered public indignation and disgrace. Yet, the more he experienced Gomer's unfaithfulness the deeper was his understanding of God's pain and frustration with Israel. Question. God often asks other prophets to do something beyond preaching. Read the following passages and explain how the prophets' actions symbolized God's dealings with his people. First of all, Isaiah chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. In the year that Tartan came to Ashdod, when Sargon, the king of Assyria, sent him, and he fought against Ashdod and took it, at the same time the Lord spoke by Isaiah the son of Amos, saying, Go and remove the sackcloth from your body, and take your sandals off your feet. And he did so, walking naked and bare feet. Then the Lord said, Just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three times for a sign and a wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians as prisoners, and the Ethiopians as captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, with their buttocks uncovered, to the shame of Egypt. Then they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia their expectation, and Egypt their glory." And the inhabitant of this territory will say in that day, Surely such is our expectation, wherever we flee for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and how shall we escape? And our next text is Jeremiah chapter 27 and verses one to 7. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make for yourselves bonds and yokes, and put them on your neck, and send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon, by the hand of the messengers who come to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, king of Judah and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts of the field I have also given him to serve him. So all nations shall serve him, and his son, and his son's son, until the time of his land comes, and then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And then Ezekiel chapter 4 and verses 1 to 6. You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you, and portray it in a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it, build a siege wall against it, and heap up a mound against it. Set camps against it also, and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate, and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie also on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days." I have laid on you a day for each year. To finish today, what kind of witness for the Lord are your words and your actions? What is it in your life that reveals not simply that you are a good person, but that you are a follower of Jesus? Monday, April 1, Spiritual Adultery When Hosea's wife Gomer committed adultery against him, he suffered the agony of betrayal, humiliation, and shame. To the neighbours and friends who saw his pain, Hosea delivered a divine message through words and actions. Israel, God's wife, was just like Gomer. The chosen people were committing spiritual adultery. The prophet Jeremiah compared God's unfaithful people to a prostitute who lived with many lovers despite everything that God provided for them, Jeremiah 3.1. In a similar way, the prophet Ezekiel called idolatrous Israel an adulterous wife who had departed from her true husband, Ezekiel 16.32. For this reason, idolatry in the Bible is viewed as spiritual adultery. Question. Read Hosea, chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. What warning is given here? In what ways could we, as Seventh-day Adventists, be in danger of doing the same thing in principle? Hosea 2, verse 8. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine, and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore I will return, and take away my grain in its time, and my new wine in its season." and will take back my wool and my linen, given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her sabbaths, all her appointed feasts. And I will destroy her vines, and her fig trees, of which she has said, These are my wages that my lovers have given me, so I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She decked herself with her earrings and jewellery, and went after her lovers. But me she forgot, says the Lord." The expression grain, new wine and oil also is used in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 7 verses 12 to 14 to describe Israel's staple produce that people enjoyed in abundance in accordance with God's promises as given through Moses. In Hosea's time, the people were so ungrateful to God, so wrapped up in the world around them, that they were presenting these gifts, originally given them by God, to their false idols. What a warning this should be to all of us, that the gifts we have been given should be used in the service of the Lord, and not in ways that never were intended for them. Matthew 6.24 From the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, December 7, 1886, Ellen White writes, How does God regard our ingratitude and lack of appreciation for His blessings? When we see one slight or misuse, our gifts, our hearts and hands are closed against him. But those who received God's merciful gifts day after day and year after year missupply his bounties and neglect the souls for which Christ has given his life. The means which he has lent them to sustain his cause and build up his kingdom are invested in houses and lands, lavished on pride and self-indulgence, and the giver is forgotten. So to finish today, think about how easy it is to take the gifts given you by God and to use them selfishly or even in an idolatrous manner. What are practical ways of preventing this sin in our lives? Tuesday, April 2, A Promise of Restoration Question. Read Hosea chapter 2. What is God's basic message to his people here? How is the gospel revealed in this chapter? Which has about 29 verses. Beginning at verse 1. Say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, Mercy is shown. Bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked, and expose her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy on her children, for they are the children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your ways with thorns and wall her in, so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season, and will take back my wool and my linen, given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her sabbaths, all her appointed feasts, and I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, of which she has said, These are my wages that my lovers have given me, so I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She decked herself with her earrings and jewellery and went after her lovers, but me she forgot, says the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, I will bring her into the lewdness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, and in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband, and no longer call me my master, before I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals, and they shall be remembered by their name no more. In that day I will make a covenant for them, with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth, to make them lie down safely. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens. And they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, You are not my people. And they shall say, You are my God. Hosea's message presents the profound truth of God's steadfast love for an undeserving people. Hosea 2 contains a lengthy speech by the Lord about Israel's apostasy, which is then contrasted with God's unfailing love for his people. After the punishment, the husband will lead the wife on a trip to the wilderness where they will be remarried. Thus, The chapter ends with a portrayal of a future time beyond the judgment when God will woo Israel to love him as before. The wild animals of the field will no longer devour the wife's vines and fig trees, but will become partners in the new covenant. In addition, all the children will be renamed, revealing again God's willingness to heal and forgive the past transgressions of his people. Question God freely offers to pardon our sins. How much does forgiveness cost God? What was the personal cost of this lesson to Hosea? Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So... I bought her for myself for fifteen shekels of silver, and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days, you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man, so too will I be toward you. Growing up as a male in Israel, Hosea was destined to enjoy a privileged status in that patriarchal society. But this privilege came with a great responsibility. A man in ancient Israel would have had to make a tremendous effort to forgive and take back an unfaithful wife, not to mention except as his own children, who may have been fathered by another man. To stand by his wife and her children and thus endure social rejection would have to have been one of the most difficult of life's experiences. Hosea, however, bought her back. God, in a sense, did the same thing for the human race, but the cost was the death of Jesus on the cross. Only by looking at the cross, then, can we get a much clearer picture of what it costs God to buy us back from the ruin that sin has caused. Wednesday, April 3, the case against Israel. Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, presents God as one who brings a charge or a legal dispute. The Hebrew word is rib, against Israel. Let's have a look. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Therefore the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away, with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. The chosen nation stood guilty before her God because the people had failed to live up to the terms of the covenant. Truth, mercy, and the knowledge of God were to be qualities of Israel's unique relationship with Him. According to Hosea chapter 2 verses 18 to 20, these are gifts that God bestows on His people at the renewal of the covenant. Due to sin, however, Israel's life was devoid of these gifts of grace. The crimes listed by Hosea had brought the nation to the brink of anarchy, the religious leaders, priests, and prophet alike. Shared responsibility in the current deterioration of Israel's life And were held accountable for it Theirs was a heavy responsibility If they did not confront the abuses And did not condemn the acts of injustice They themselves would be condemned by God In the Old Testament Idol worship was considered to be the most serious sin Because it denied the role of the Lord God In the lives of the nation and the individual Due to the dry climate Rains in the land of Israel were a matter of life and death. The Israelites came to believe that their blessings, such as life-giving rain, were coming from Baal. Thus it was a serious problem when they built shrines to foreign gods and began mixing immorality with worship. At the same time, social injustice was rife in the land. The rich classes in Israel exploited the peasants in order to be able to pay tribute to Assyria. Many resorted to fraud and cheating, as we read in Hosea chapter 12. It was through this injustice that the formerly peaceful and prosperous period led to a time of political and social turbulence. The country was at the brink of total chaos. In Testimonies for the Church, volume 2, page 682, we read, Poor rich men professing to serve God are objects of pity. While they profess to know God, in works they deny him How great is the darkness of such They profess faith in the truth But their works do not correspond With their profession The love of riches Makes men selfish, exacting And overbearing Wealth is power and frequently The love of it depraves and paralyzes All that is noble and godlike In man So to finish the day, Read James chapter 5 And verses 1 to 7. And that reads, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, cry out, And the cries of the reapers Have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury And have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter You have condemned, you have murdered the just He does not resist you Therefore be patient, brethren Until the coming of the Lord See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth Waiting patiently for it Until it receives the early and the latter reign. How do these words fit in with the present truth as expressed in the three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14 verses 6 to 12? Then I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of waters. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus." Whatever our financial position, how can we protect ourselves from the dangers that money always presents to the followers of Christ? Thursday, April 4, A Call to Repentance John 17, verse 3 reads, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The name Hosea in Hebrew means, the Lord saves, and is related to the names Joshua, Isaiah, and even Jesus. The prophet calls the people to reject sin and find refuge in their Lord God because He is their Creator and Redeemer. The purpose of the divine judgment was to remind the sinners that their life and strength come from the one to whom they must return. Thus, even amid all the warnings and announcements of judgment, Hosea's book presents the themes of both human repentance and divine forgiveness. The prophet urges the nation, which was perishing in sin, for lack of knowledge, as it says in Hosea 4, six, to press on, to know God fully, and to live in harmony with his eternal principles. It was the people's lack of knowledge, the knowledge of God, that led them to rebellion and eventually resulted in judgment. In contrast, through faith and obedience, the people could come to know the Lord for themselves. This knowledge can be close and intimate too. This is precisely why, time and again, marriage is a symbol of the kind of relationship that the Lord wants with us. That is also why the Christian life consists primarily of a relationship with the living God. That is why the Lord calls people to know Him and to follow His will for their entire lives. The sin problem brought a fearful separation between God and humanity. But, through the death of Jesus on the cross, a way has been made so that each one of us can have a close walk with the Lord. We can indeed know Him for ourselves. Question. What is the difference between our knowing about God versus our knowing God? How is this difference reflected in our everyday living? If someone were to ask you, How can I come to know God? What would you answer? What do the following passages teach about the importance of knowing the Lord? First of all, Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 and 13. Then Moses said to the Lord, "'See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray,' If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And Jeremiah chapter 9, and verse 23 and 24, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising lovingkindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. And Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And to finish, first John chapter 2 verse 4. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. April 5 From the book Prophets by Abraham J. Heschel Published in 2001 And page 56 We read As time went by Hosea became aware of the fact That his personal fate Was a mirror of the divine pathos That his sorrow Echoed the sorrow of God In this fellow suffering as an act of sympathy with the divine pathos, the prophet probably saw the meaning of the marriage which he had contracted at the divine behest. Only by living through in his own life what the divine consort of Israel experienced was the prophet able to attain sympathy for the divine solution. The marriage was a lesson, an illustration, rather than a symbol or a sacrament. And, From Prophets and Kings, by Ellen White, page 298. In symbolic language, Hosea set before the ten tribes God's plan of restoring to every penitent soul who would unite with his church on earth the blessings granted Israel in the days of their loyalty to him in the promised land. Referring to Israel as one to whom he longed to show mercy, the Lord declared... I will allure her, and bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. We tend to think of idolatry as the bowing down to statues. In what ways can idolatry be something that is much more subtle and deceptive than that? 2. In class, further explore this idea of what it means to know God. If you say that you know God, or know the Lord, what do you mean by that? How is this knowledge of God acquired? 3. Some ancient theologians argued that God is impassable. That is, he does not experience pain or pleasure due to the actions of other beings, such as humans. What might cause people to argue that position? Why do we, however, reject it? And four, dwell more on the fact that our redemption is so costly. What does it tell us about what our worth is to God? Inside Story, A Bible for Sharoon Eight-year-old Sharoon leans forward in his seat as his Sabbath school teacher tells a Bible story. She asks a question, and Sharoon's hand shoots into the air. The teacher calls on him, and Sharoon answers the question. Sharoon loves Sabbath school, especially the Bible stories his teacher tells. The church that Sharoon attends meets in a house that's been remodelled into a church. It's not big, but it's clean and bright. Sharoon and his family live in Lahore, a large city in Pakistan. Most people in the country are Muslims. There are few Christians and even fewer Seventh-day Adventists. Someone donated Bible story felts so that the teacher has something to show the children when she tells the Bible story. The children enjoy watching the story unfold in pictures as the teacher tells it. But... When a missionary visited the church, she noticed that the children didn't bring their Bibles to church. Next week, please bring your Bibles to Sabbath school, she encouraged with a smile. But teacher, one girl said, I don't have a Bible. Other children shook their heads too. Sharoon added, my daddy has a Bible, but I don't think he will let me bring it to church. The missionary was surprised that the children had no Bibles. Let's memorise some Bible texts so we can take God's words wherever we go, the missionary suggested. The teacher agreed and printed Bible texts on sheets of paper. The children worked hard to learn the Bible texts, and they prayed for Bibles of their own. Someone sent some money to the missionaries to buy Bibles for the children. The children eagerly waited for their Bibles to arrive. At last they came. The teacher opened the box and gave each child a Bible. She helped them write their names inside the cover. Now the children eagerly read the Bible stories in their own Bibles. They have memorized the books of the Bible and can repeat many Bible texts from memory. The children are so eager to learn more about God that some of them arrive at Sabbath school an hour early, so they won't miss a thing. Sharon treasures his Bible, but he knows that other Seventh-day Adventist children in Pakistan don't have Bibles he's excited to learn that part of this quarter's 13th Sabbath offering will help buy Bibles for children in Pakistan and in Israel and Sudan too. Three years ago, Seventh-day Adventist children around the world gave a special children's offering for 13th Sabbath to buy Bibles for children in Pakistan, Israel and Sudan. Today, thousands of children have Bibles and can learn for themselves that God loves them. Thank you. This podcast of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been read by Dr. Percy Harold in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired in Queensland, Australia. It's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is still faithful.